0: Hello and welcome to the show.
1: Hey, I'm horny. You trying to smash? Hi, horny. You trying to smash? I'm dad. I'm confused. Hi, confused. I'm dad. What the fuck? Cool face with the sunglasses. So, no. And I'm Belinda. How are we going today, guys? Welcome to the podcast. It's you, me, and a poltergeist.
0: We are your weekly fling with paranormal things. Thanks.
1: That was good. Thanks. Very good. Shout out to our newest patron, Brad. Brad. Hello. Thank you so much for joining the Dark Magicians League. We
0: love you, Brad. You're awesome.
1: Very much appreciate your support. Every You're helping
0: us so much. I hope you enjoy all the things we have to offer here.
1: Hell yeah.
0: In the Yumi and a Poltergeist land. And you helped us hit our first stretch goal. Woo. Woo! We can now keep our fridge stacked with... Pepsi Max Our Unofficial sponsor of the show, Pepsi
1: Max. That's right, and I am drinking a nice cold glass of wine.
0: Because you are an
1: I had a really big day. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, I worked yesterday, I drank two bottles of wine when I got home at work today. I'm having at least one glass. One. I think I overdid it yesterday.
0: I did not realise that you had drunk so much. Yeah. Classic. I was a bit concerned when you bought three bottles of wine. I was like, I know they're cheap and I'm special, but we might not need three bottles of wine. Is you know, more specifically, I don't think you need three bottles of wine. I was going to say, this isn't wine. a
1: we thing, yeah, this is because, a me thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, i buy like one drink at the bottle I'm just like, hmm.
1: <laughs> Brayden was tipsy after his one drink, by hey, the way.
0: I haven't drunk in a hot second and it was two standard drinks and I drank it within five seconds. Fifteen minutes.
1: No way. Yes, yeah, it wasn't that long. Well,
0: I'm a lightweight, but hey. Hey. Cheaper. Nah. Yeah. Miss drink three bottle of wine.
1: I only had three glasses of wine that night, two glasses of which I didn't even Remember. one I didn't even pay for. But they weren't even from my wine that I bought because they were at the dinner. And I drank the rest of that first bottle and the second bottle yesterday. Thank you. And I only just cracked open a new one and I'm having uno glass.
0: Good on you. So. Oh, oh, hot noises. What else is new in the land of you?
1: Nothing much. I've got a seven-day work week coming up. Nice.
0: Nice. My work schedule's changed as well to where I am now doing a a 6am shift, which is always fun, but I can't complain because I'm sure millions of people around the world and people listening right now do that, and I have done it before. Mm -hmm. I was just enjoying my 2pm to 10pm, Monday to Friday, now I've changed. But
1: now you finish at 2 o'clock and I don't have to worry about racing home to feed the dogs.
0: So what you're saying is it benefits you?
1: It does. It does. Okay. And no, it benefits you too. We had to spend more time together. Yeah. Yeah. True. Instead that if you're coming home at 10.30 at night, I've been working all day, you've been working all day, and like, we see each other for like, a quickie, we watch, and, uh, I watch Netflix, you sleep, you know? Yeah,
0: exactly. I did enjoy the sleep ins though. Not having to set an alarm is amazing.
1: But it's alright, I sleep through it, it's fine.
0: I'm pretty sure I sleep the same amount that I'm sleeping now. Yeah. Back then. But I just feel more tired because I have to wake up earlier.
1: I think because you're forced to wake up though as well.
0: Yeah. It's not a that natural nonsense.
1: wake up. Ugh. How about you set one of those alarms that gradually get Louder? Louder. That's what I liked about my Samsung. I don't know. But I got an iPhone. That's um, broken.
0: Anyhow, I Ew. feel like we haven't been in here filming an episode for a, a minute. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. For a while, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Like a week. At least. Mm-hmm. Which That's is the week. normal schedule. It's normal, but... but it just feels you've like... Because have been on a different schedule, too, so it's been a bit Yeah. Weird. Things have mm-hmm. just been changed. I do feel like this week has gone about five days extra.
0: Yeah, yeah, too many.
1: Like, I feel like it shouldn't be Sunday anymore. I feel like it should be Wednesday next week. Oh,
0: imagine, that'd be great. Mm. Halfway through the work week already.
1: I wouldn't even be working. I know. I'd be going to get the keys to mum's new house. Moving my stuff in down the stairs. Wait, what? You moving out? I'm seriously considering (laughs) it. I drive too much. I want to stop driving so much. I want to drive 20 minutes to work, not... An hour and thirty minutes to work. Mm.
0: Mm. <coughs> what are we talking about today, Melinda?
1: I'm a little bit We don't have a particular theme. I think we've been enjoying that the freedom of being outside of a theme. Yeah, um,
0: who enjoys confines unless you're into BDSM?
1: Right, which we are! And our
0: podcast is not BDSM, okay, <laughs> our podcast is not BDSM.
1: It is, you mean a
0: It's not BDSM for your ears, it's it's, not. it's vibrant, you know, you don't need to be confined unless you you're don't. into that, then right. we can maybe work that out for you. Absolutely but correct. But it's, you know, it's a throw of passion. Yep. There's lots of kissing, sometimes there's crying.
1: Nope,
0: and sometimes you weep just a little on the inside. It's a tiny
1: little bit. Like when I was doing my story, I didn't. I told you a little bit of it, and then I didn't realize that there was this horrific thing that happens in it, and I wanted to cry as I was reading and typing. And yeah. I seriously was like, I'm just not going to do the story. Is it that bad? I think it'll tug on our strings a lot.
0: Okay. Oh, is it a pet?
1: Not. Don't oh, I got her! Don't ruin it! Okay, alright. Don't right, ruin right, it, right, don't right, ruin right, the right, surprise. Right. it surprise, don't ruin the surprise. But it was just one of those things where I was like, maybe I'm just not gonna do a story and let you just carry the whole episode. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. that's fair. Warm- I did that with our very first episode. Anyways, I finished my story, is well, what we've cool. come to the conclusion of that conversation.
0: And I'm talking about something pretty cool too. Yeah,
1: I just, I really like that when we get to do our, like, not necessarily, oh, it's a South African haunting, oh, it's Indian, whatever. It's like, I like that we get to um, really throw ourselves into it and we get really passionate about it.
0: Free form.
1: Free
0: I don't know form. whether or not I went first last week because we've recorded these in a little bit of a jumble. Mm. Trying to hit those marks for the release of It 2, which we did see. And mm-hmm. also Friday the 13th. hmm So... This episode is coming out after a little bit of a jumble. Yeah. I don't know where I was going with that.
1: <laughs> Just that we may not be going in, an, in like, a me, you, yeah, me, right. you kind exactly. of order. Anyways. Um. But did you enjoy it, babe? Ah,
0: oh, it was so cool. It's actually
1: really good, and... You know what? I was really brave, okay, because I felt like I sat very well during the last big fight scene. You did. I wasn't scared. Good job. I knew they were going to get him.
0: There were a few moments through it where I was like, holy fuck. Again, with the first one, I watched it and I was like, some of this is legitimately terrifying.
1: Yeah, I was pretty scared the first one, especially the basement scene.
0: Uh...
1: Yeah, it's. When he runs at him?
0: That's tough. What
1: the fuck? Ugh! Right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's crazy. Ew! But it was (laughs) a very good um, movie.
0: Gotta love Clowns.
1: I feel like we should do a a chapter one and chapter two night now.
0: Ooh. Uh,
1: Ooh. Or
0: Marathon. What do you mean? Too much. What
1: do you mean, Marathon? Like the first movie and then those? Chapter one and chapter two. Now we
0: just watch one and two after each other.
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying. A chapter one and two night.
0: Oh, I thought you said, I thought you were trying to say we do a chapter one night and then we do a chapter two night. No, no, I'm no. I'm like, well. That's
1: that's what, too and much. I was like, wait, marathon? You mean the full first two and a half hour movie and then two more two hour movies?
0: Yeah. No, I'm
1: joking. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. We'll all go and say, down here.
0: In, indeed. Anyway. So, guess what I'm talking about today? What are
1: you talking about today? Is that you knew? Paw Patrol stuff.
0: Yeah. I don't don't know. I don't have kids. What? Uh, I am going to be chatting about Buncho Savaryashiki, which translates to the dish mansion at Buncho. The dish mansion? The dish mansion. And it will all become very apparent as I talk about this haunting slash ghost story from Japan. Which I have to say is my favourite country.
1: Yeah. Every time we know. talk about like going travelling anywhere, he's like, Japan. And I'm like...
0: <laughs> Nippon, Nippon. I've already been there numerous... Twice. Yeah, numerous. Twice. Not quite numerous. <laughs> <laughs> I've already been there twice. But, I don't know. I just love it. Anyhow.
1: Brayden's taught me a few things to say.
0: Go on, give him, give him one. I'll be your translator.
1: Um... I don't know. I don't a pressure on me now. Neko.
0: Cat. <laughs> it's
1: a cat. Uh, inu. Dog. <laughs> dog.
0: Come on, oh. string a sentence. I
1: can't do it. I must you can. Say it. i got to say it wrong. No, you're not. No, nope. I forgot how to say okay, it. Okay, all good. <laughs> I forgot how to say to eat. Tabimasu. Tabimasu. I almost said Tomsky.
0: Tomski. <laughs> tom-ski. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I love Japan, and I've been looking for a reason to do Japan hauntings. And hell.
1: Hell. I found it. <laughs> I didn't
0: really find it. I just decided to do Japan, a Japanese went, and haunting. And I
1: just went to, I have to do Japanese. And Brody's like, nah, babe, do whatever you want. And I was like, fuck yes. Anyways.
0: So the, as I was saying, the ghost story slash legend is actually based on a real event. And it has been adapted into numerous theater plays And kabuki shows throughout Japan in its history. So, Bancho Sarayashiki is, well, the story behind it all happened, and the hauntings are reportedly with true origins that originate from a location serving as the ghost story's backdrop, which is Himeji Castle in Himeji, Hmm. which is a beautiful place. Like, I've been to Osaka Castle. And it looks similar, like it's similar design, like classic Japanese castle. Yeah. And it's got like beautiful moats and massive walls around it and everything. And it's on this little mountain sort of hill. It's really gorgeous. And the entire outside of it's white. So it looks fairly impressive, if I do say so myself. No, it's fine. This ghost story is the inspiration for one of the world's most famous horror movies. I'm sure that will become readily apparent as I start describing what exactly the haunting and the story is, but we'll leave it for now, Belinda already knows. So Hemeji Castle history, just before I go any further with the haunting and the story itself, it was made in 1333 as a fort and a castle, but it was then demolished in 1346 for reconstruction, and they remade the entire thing then went on to 1581 where it was expanded upon and then in 1601 20 years later it was demolished once more and then expanded upon again the last expansion came in 1618 making it 401 years old currently and the castle itself is known as having amazing luck having survived four potential destructions. This includes a huge earthquake and a bomb that was dropped onto it during World War II which landed through the roof and on the top story but didn't explode. So it's been That's interesting. It's, it's been given like this sort of mythical status that it's like the indestructible castle etc etc etc. Pretty cool. There was something also about the tiles that they used on some of the walls And whenever one was broken, they'd go back to the exact same craftsman to get a tile exactly the same made. And for some reason, these tiles gave it mythical protection as well. So the place has like an air of mysticism around it. One particular location that is located in Hameji Castle is Okiku's Well. And Okiku's Well is the entire basis behind this interesting story. And It's the supposed haunted, truly haunted spot of the castle itself. So Okiku's well is sort of given the fame by the story of the Bancho Sarayashiki, which was the story of a handmaiden, or handmaid, named Okiku. And Okiku was just doing her business. She was a very... not pooping or anything, but (laughs) going about her business, uh, working and whatnot. She was a very honest young lady, and she'd always be serving within this... Himeji Castle. There was a powerful samurai at the time called Aoyama Tetsuzan. Mm -hmm. And Aoyama fancied... Well, he had a wife, first off. Yes. But he really fancied Okiku.
1: This is how it always happens, right? They get a wife and they're like, Oh, I'm bored with that.
0: Yeah. So he was like, I don't want my wife. I want this little (laughs) handmaiden. And of course, Okiku's like, oh god, I can't be with you. I don't want to be a mistress. He's like, oh, it's fine, I'll marry you. I'll leave my wife for you and everything. And of course, she just was not having any of it. She was an honest young lady and did not want anything.
1: Oh, good on her!
0: And there are numerous sort of different depictions and writings of how this legend exactly is. But some of them have her going and foiling a plan that the samurai Aoyama was making to overthrow the ruler of the castle. Mm. And then others that just have her, the most prominent ones, are just her uh, rejecting his advances. Mm. But anyways, so she had a particular job which would be going to polish these ten beautiful plates. Mm. Very expensive. I think they were like rimmed in gold or something like that. Anyways, so Aoyama, having been rejected, is very scornful. And he doesn't want his wife finding out that he's tried to get Okiku to be his mistress. Yeah. So he needs to find a way to have her killed. So Not he, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, he takes one of the plates and he hides it. And <sighs> this is after she's been cleaning it. So when they come in the next day, they're like, one of the plates has been stolen. Who was the last one cleaning them? (gasps) It was Okiku. She is the one who stole the golden plate. So they take this poor girl and torture her and kill her and then throw her body in a well. No. And the basis behind the movie, The Ring, was based (laughs) off the story of Okiku.
1: Wow. Except there's not
0: not seven days, there's ten plates. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it would be a lot a lot less scary of a premise if you just got a phone call and was like ten plates. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so after her death it was said that Okiku would crawl out of the well every evening and walk towards or crawl her way over all dripping wet from the well water to the plate room where she would count the plates aloud, and every night getting to the tenth one where she wouldn't be able to find it, where she'd let out this mournful and blood-curdling scream. And this scream would always keep the samurai Aoyama awake. And it eventually led to his demise via him plunging into madness after many nights of no sleep and this yeah. wild ghost and the knowledge of his deeds. Yeah. The guilt. That's the word I was for.
1: Yes. Because he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> exactly. Who can just own up to his own promiscuous ways. No.
0: So the haunting yeah. now, as it is reported, is that Okiku gra- drags herself from the well at night, mm-hmm. counts the plates, as she has done many times before, before mm. she gets to nine... As she gets to nine, realising there's no tenth plate, lets out the mournful shriek before she returns back to the well. Yeah. Apparently this happened for a while, and there's been sightings and experiences of Okiku at Hameji Castle, mm. but there's they also supposedly exorcise the spirit from the grounds.
1: That's what they say, though.
0: But, yeah, the most... The most popular attraction in Himeji Castle is the well where supposedly Okiku was thrown down into.
1: Well, yeah, that makes sense.
0: And it is barred off.
1: Did, did her body ever get recovered?
0: I don't know. This this would have been 600, 700 years ago.
1: Okay, so maybe her body's still there, though.
0: Potentially. I think she's actually buried. I read that she was buried somewhere.
1: Then why was her body thrown down into a well?
0: Because he wanted to hide it.
1: So then, But his
0: crimes eventually became known. He dug it up. No, it was just chucked into the water.
1: I mean, brought it up.
0: It wasn't mentioned in the story. Okay. Not that I could see anywhere.
1: Damn it, these are the things I want to know. Mm, yes. Where did the body come from? Where did it go?
0: Where did it, Where did it come it from? Where did it to go? go? Where did the body come from?
1: Cut my joke. Oh, kiku. Okay.
0: <laughs> Anyways, so sightings of the drenched white dress wearing a kiku have been reported. ...reported at Himeji Castle... <laughs> ...after the sun has set, and visitors have reported hearing her moans, cries, and screams coming from within the well, and even seeing the drowning Okiku in her final moments where she's attempting to swim and survive. Are <laughs> you fucking kidding me?
1: That was so perfectly timed, though.
0: So it is said those who hear Okiku's counting become sick. Hmm. And those who hear her full count from one to nine in the scream die.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so that's the grand story of fucking Okiku and the plates. <laughs> and that was the inspiration, believe it or not, for the, the movie ring. ring. That was that's one crazy. Of, there's three big sort of ghost stories in Japanese sort of lore. And that was one of the big three. What are the others? Oh, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yes, you do. I don't. don't. Yeah, come on. I don't
0: know them, but I can tell you some other cool ghost stuff from Japan. Yeah, all All right. right. All right, well, you know there's this ghost or spirit in Japan called the Shirame? Yeah, what does he do? Well, the ghost name actually translates 100% into butt eyes. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) in every depiction (laughs) of this spirit, what it does is it appears as a man wearing a uh, yukata or a kimono, walking down the street late at night where it meets someone, someone walks by a passerby. I believe the most famous and one of the first recounts was of a noble samurai meeting this strange man wearing a kimono. The strange kimono-wearing man says, "Can I have a moment of your time?" The samurai says, "Of course, I will give you a moment of my time." He drops his kimono, revealing himself nude, turns around, flashing his ass, but in replace of his asshole is a giant glowing eye. <laughs> And that's the shirame. <laughs>
1: Looking in your big brown
0: eye.
1: <laughs> ah. <laughs> Go push it, push it some more. <laughs> oh,
0: there's, there, in some depictions, their eye is actually just his butthole. But in <laughs> others... He's got to open, like, sort of like, squeeze a bit, and the eye is actually inside his anus. So he's got so to he's push got to it out, like, push... a poop. Yeah, like, you know there's those weird videos where the people, like, push their eyes out of their oh sockets? God. It's like that, but with a butthole. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I also remembered something from when I went. It didn't seem like anything at the time, but I'm like, that place is really creepy. So today, when I was researching. I looked it up and supposedly one of the places I've gone is a fairly haunted town.
1: Wow, but maybe that's where you picked up that traveller.
0: I think it was the first time I went. Not the, It was the first time I went not the second time oh, that okay. I picked it up. Anyways, you'll pick something up. But there is a place called Koyasan otherwise known as Mount Koya Yeah. and it is a monastery town and it has one of the biggest well, the biggest graveyard in Japan on this mountain. I didn't know that and I <laughs> I neglected to research that fact before we went there. But that place was creepy. The only way to get there is by this tram. But the tram's built, like, at 45 degrees. So all the seats are, like, on steps, essentially.
1: What the fuck?
0: And it, it takes you up this mountain. It takes, like, uh, 45 minutes to get up the top of the mountain. And then when you get there, you catch a little bus into the sort of main strip but no one's around there's no tourists or anything but we stayed at a monastery which was pretty cool but they had a curfew everyone has a curfew i think and no one goes outside after like sundown
1: what the fuck and i thought
0: that was weird i'm like oh maybe it's like bears or something i'm pretty <laughs> sure there's bears <laughs> i think it was buck bears or something. Anyways. It's just
1: like all the deers come out to
0: fight yeah so i was like oh there must be Bears or something, or monsters, Because mm. they all have high walls around their houses. And I was like, there's monsters for sure. But now I realise ghosts. Ghosts. And I researched it up, and it said that the grounds where the large cemetery are are uh, where the first monks who came from China to Japan to spread Buddhism. Mm-hmm were coming... Uh, Shing, Shingo or Shingyo Buddhism mm-hmm. came and were buried after they died. So there's, like, I think it's oh Man, it's something dramatic. Like, 200,000 bodies buried there or something. Where's my phone? I want to look that up. Because I don't want to get that That's wrong.
1: insane.
0: Yeah, so it has over 200,000 tombstones. What? Oh, oh. There may be more bodies buried, you know, doubles and graves, etc, etc. But one of the stories I read... Was of a tourist who went to this uh, cemetery. Mm. It's not really a cemetery, it's built into a mountain, so it's really beautiful looking. It's like oh, yeah. a, a westernized cemetery. So you look
1: at it and you're like, it's not really a cemetery. It's
0: just like cool statues on, like, covered in moss and like massive trees. <sighs> yeah. Oh man, there was this low hanging fog when we were there. Oh fuck. It's on the top of a mountain, so all the trees everywhere, and then this tiny little thing. You're staying in this monastery with high walls, they tell you not to go out after dark. And there's no one on the roads or anywhere, and a lot of the old buildings are like covered in moss. So you just like this did place you, is creepy.
1: Did you go outside after dark?
0: No, we couldn't because we'd get locked out of the monastery. Oh, really? Yeah, they like closed. You
1: literally, the could not.
0: Yeah, they have to. You have to be back by dark, by after dark, because they closed the gates.
1: So, so is that them. because of all the ghosts? I don't know.
0: I need to. I'll need to do more research. We're going to come back to this in another episode. Okay. Anyways so one of the I'd really like to know yeah one of the stories was that he went to the cemetery as a tourist just sort of taking photos because it's so well known and uh, this man who brought Buddhism there is buried there along with all these people and there's 200,000 tombstones. and as he arrived he was taking some photos and he heard some clinking of the traditional wooden shoes behind him. So he turned around and saw all these monks sort of walking along the path and respectfully sort of got out of their way so they could pass. He just went back to taking photos. And after a few moments, he kind of was like, they haven't passed me yet. And he looked back and the you know, whole team of monks that were walking along the path were inexistent. Cool, huh? That's
1: pretty fucking creepy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I wouldn't mind monk ghosts I feel, all things. Yeah, I feel like they're
1: probably one of the most peaceful <laughs> ghosts. <laughs>
0: Super peaceful ghosts. Just, like, not going to do any shit to you. <laughs> he, he turns around, they're all just like,
1: ah, They don't even make moaning noises, you know. <laughs> they don't. They literally they no. like, took a vow of silence. Yeah. They can't.
0: And you're pretty, you can be pretty certain they're probably not going to be like a succubus or some shit and try to fuck you.
1: Because they're just a the monk.
0: Monk probably got a vow of celibacy as well.
1: A monk just, tr- yeah.
0: Sorry if I'm offending all our monk listeners. <laughs>
1: Apologies, honestly. Which
0: you never know, we might have a monkless You don't know. No Anyways, right. so I thought I'd share that cool story, and that's all I have for you today.
1: Oh, thanks, baby. Why don't you we continue? that.
0: Yeah, way. I just wanted to let you know that if I was to be haunted, I'd want it to be a shirame.
1: Okay.
0: I want to be haunted by a butt eye. <laughs> okay. Well,
1: I'll see what I can do for you. Thanks. Yeah, you're
0: welcome. Yeah, buy a glass eye and put it in your ass. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of adult stores that sell shit like that. Yeah, hell yeah. I'm not doing it. You know, they, they sell those, like, um... Like <laughs> the tails. Kind of, huh? What? I was going yeah, <laughs> to oh, that, that would work too. I was going <laughs> to say, like, uh... <laughs> butt plug tails. How they have those, like, sex dolls that are just the arse. Oh, yeah. Like a flashlight that's but just the arse. But it's a butt. <laughs> Imagine a shirame, one of those. You couldn't really do anything with it, but it's <laughs> just a problem. <prompt. laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell me some stuff?
1: Um, uh, well, I was born on the 5th of January 1997 at a good healthy eight pound something. Um, I was 51 centimeters long with blonde hair and blue eyes. That's me telling you something. <laughs>
0: tell me a haunting majigo.
1: A haunting go. Well, there was this one time. No, I'm kidding. So, this isn't a haunting per se, it is a possession. Oh, It is. Priscilla's biting my butt, and it actually is Priscilla this time. Hmm. This is more of a possession, and like, you know, take it to your own discussion of what you, if you think it was actually some type of demonic possession, or if you think this guy was just going a bit crazy. Yeah. All right. So, this is about Michael Taylor.
0: Old Mike Taylor. Good
1: old Mikey Taylor. Mickey T. Mickey T Dog. (laughs) Mike Taylor lived in Osset, West Yorkshire. Is it Yorkshire or Yorkshire? Yorkshire.
0: Yorkshire. 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 It's wherever you want it to be. Depends where you're from. Could be Yorkshire. Alright. Could be Yorkshire.
1: Yorkshire. Yorkshire. I don't
0: know. That was an interesting voice.
1: Thank you. I've had one glass of wine and I feel a bit tipsy. <laughs> and you were going on about me getting tipsy no, no, no. from one drink. It's okay drink. if a female does. Uh-huh. Hello. Sexist. This one. is a sexist podcast. All right. So Michael Taylor lived in Osset, West Yorkshire, working as a butcher. He lived there with his wife, Christine, and their five children and their poodle. Their family was known as a mostly happy and cheerful bunch, described by their neighbours. Michael's especially especially was described as a kind, mild-mannered, loving father and husband, although he was prone to minor bouts of depression due to a back injury that left him with chronic pain. It also affected his ability to hold down a full-time job. Other than that, nothing was out of the ordinary in the Taylor household. Neighbours even reported saying that they could hear, often hear laughter coming from the home as oh. the family enjoyed each other's company but all of this was soon to change our set had a population that was highly religious and most attended attended church regularly the taylors were never really devout to any particular religion and often skipped church services held nearby that was until one of michael taylors friends barbara wardman introduced him to a church group called the christian fellowship group in 1974 this group was led by a 21-year-old woman named Marie Robinson. Wow, that
0: a pretty new wave. If she's
1: only 21 and leading the church, right? The previously non-religious Michael began to attend regular meetings. He became quite um, he became acquainted with their techniques, their teachings, and quickly fell for Marie. It soon became clear oh, no. that Michael had fallen in love with Marie and would se- would spend an inappropriate amount of time with her. He started going to even more meetings and gatherings of the group and also joining Marie. Congregations where they would use the power of God to exercise people of their sins and speak in tongues. Wow. As well as engage in private rituals in which both Michael and Marie... Would stay up all night, making the sign of the cross at each other in order to ward off what they believed was the evil power of the moon.
0: So they're nuts.
1: The full moon, I should say.
0: I think what they're trying to ward off is the sexual tension.
1: I think so, right? <laughs> right. And it's like, oh, he's I th- want to
0: fuck you. He's a 31
1: year old man at this point, by the way. He's 31. a 31 year old virgin,
0: but he has family. He
1: has five children. He's a 31, 31 year old man at this point as well, and he's attracted to a twenty one year old woman, so there's ten years age gap, of course. That's just sinful. Absolutely. <sighs> um, cool. So Michael's attitude at home began to change. Uh I mean, as He fell out of love with Christine and into love with Marie. Shit happens. He was more irritable, argumentative, and hostile towards his family. It was assumed that the church group was somehow exerting sorry, a negative influence on him. It got to the point where Michael's bizarre beliefs, uncharacteristic behavior, bad attitude and infatuation with Marie became quite obvious to his wife, Christine. During one congregation, Christine suddenly decided to confront Michael about his relationship with the preacher and accused him of being unfaithful. It was at this point where his behaviour would take a turn for the worse. Uh Uh-oh. Michael reported he felt an evil influence cast a shadow over him and then, compelled by force, turned his fury on Marie, where he lashed out verbally and physically to the point that several churchgoers had to restrain him and pull him away from her.
0: So, in other words, he's abusive.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And he's lying... Mm -hmm. Saying that he was under the influence of a demon. Or
1: maybe he was. We don't know. We
0: don't know. But I mean, I would stray towards the norm. Right? Just domestic violence. Domestic violence.
1: So Marie herself would later testify to what happened, saying, I suddenly glanced at Mike and his whole features changed. He looked almost bestial. He kept looking at me, and there was a really wild look in his eyes. I started screaming at him out of fear. I started speaking in tongues. Mike also screamed at me in tongues. I was on the verge of death, and I seemed to come to my senses. I knew that only the name of Jesus would save me, and I just started. I just started saying over and over again, "Jesus." <laughs> when Can you imagine this scene? Jesus, Jesus. Jesus! Jesus! <laughs> Your husband's just beating you up. No, oh, this is bed. this is the mistress.
0: Oh, the mistress is shouting Jesus. Yeah,
1: this is all happening to the mistress. When Chris, Christine, heard me calling on the name of Jesus, she started saying it too. And I believe firmly that it was only by calling on his name that I was not killed.
0: So he turns into a werewolf. <laughs>
1: By the full moon.
0: By the full moon. That's Oh, it comes around full circle. (laughs) Full moon, you
1: mean. It comes around full moon. (laughs) Anyway. Oh. During the next meeting between them, Michael Taylor received forgiveness, but nevertheless, his behaviour continued to become erratic. This bitch forgave him.
0: She's too kind. Moral of the episode, never forgive. Never forgive.
1: Episode title. (laughs) That's your mantra. (laughs) I don't. nevertheless his behavior continued to become more erratic. As a result, the local vicar called in other ministers experienced in deliverance in preparation to cast out the demons residing within the man. The exorcism was headed by Father Peter Vincent and uh, the Anglican priest of St. Thomas's and was aided by a Methodist clergyman, the Reverend Raymond Smith. It was to be carried out at midnight on the 5th of October, 1974. Midnight. Yep. Full moon. Yep. At well. St. Thomas's Church in Gorba. 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 Gorba.
0: Gorba. If you're going to give someone an exorcism, I want to see this person walking on walls, speaking a language they don't know. Walking
1: underwater, opposite of what Jesus did. Oh. Said. Right? Damn, okay. Or breathing the water. That's now turned into blood because it's clearly Satan. So it's like
0: a blood mermaid.
1: Hell yeah, that sounds sick. Blood
0: mermaid. <laughs> I would be a aware blood mermaid though, because of the full moon. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. But I wanna see some shit like that. I don't I don't you know, just a bit of anger. Domestic violence doesn't constitute the need for an exorcism.
1: Erratic behaviour. Erratic
0: behaviour. Fuck! I can be erratic at times. I don't.
1: No, you erratic. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Okay. Fuck no. Okay,
0: you can be erratic at times. (laughs) I will be. (laughs) I
1: will be. You're accusing me of shit.
0: Anyways, I don't think erratic behaviour constitutes an exorcism. I want to see that
1: dude doing some weird blood mermaid reverse but it, wear His behavior shit. got worse, so we don't know how worse it could have gotten, mm. you know. The exorcism lasted through the night and well into the morning. As soon as the exorcism began, Michael went into, an uncontrollable, into uncontrollable convulsions with attacks of scratching, spitting, and biting, which required that he be forcefully tied to the floor. Over the next eight hours, Michael was subjected to having crucifixes shoved in his mouth. Oh,
0: hell yeah. This is some dirty shit.
1: Oh, my God. Being doused with holy water, and it's not funny, and being forced to confess his sins, all while growling and snapping at anyone who came near him. The priest in charge of the exorcism claimed that it was ascertained that 40 demons inhabited Michael's body, including those representative of incest, bestiality, Blasphemy, lewdness, heresy, masochism, and carnal knowledge. Oh,
0: carnal. Mm. How dare he know things that are carnal. Right. These
1: alleged demons did not go easily, each one having to be reportedly dragged out, kicking and screaming. And by 8am on October 6th, the priests carrying out the exorcism were exhausted and could no longer continue. It was decided... That the exorcism would have to be finished at a later time. You know, great idea. Although the priest claimed that three demons, those of insanity, anger, and murder, were still stubbornly digging their claws into Michael and had not been successfully removed yet. You know what, if they're the three that you're thinking are stuck on him, you keep going.
0: I feel like this might be a post-mortem thing. They've come in and been like, oh yeah, those demons would definitely murder insanity and... Carnal knowledge <laughs>
1: what was anger.
0: It? Anger. Murder, insanity, and anger.
1: Yeah, carnal knowledge was gone at right that point. Yeah,
0: well, luckily.
1: Oh right. Who would want carnal knowledge? But please leave the insanity, <laughs> anger and murder. I feel like
0: the whole internet is a big
1: demon of carnal knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that it is. In a chilling detail, which would later prove to be prophetic, one witness to the terrifying exorcism, a minister's wife named Margaret Smith, claimed that she had received a warning in her mind she believed to be from God, which said that the demon of murder was going to escape and kill Christine. Oh. She pleaded with the priest to complete the exorcism, but instead they told Michael and Christine to go home to rest and prepare for the next round to be performed the following day. That same day at 10 a.m., just two hours after the exorcism, Michael Taylor brutally murdered his wife, Christine. He attacked her with his bare hands, strangling her to death, then gouging her eyes out and tearing her tongue out, Uh. almost tearing her face off. He went on to then strangling their poodle and slaughtered it, As well, as well, tearing it practically limb from limb. Damn. He was found by a policeman, naked in the street, covered with blood. He was stumbling around aimlessly and shouting, It's the blood of Satan, over and over again, maniacally. Soon after finding him, the police found the horrific event that had happened on the floor of the home. The body sprawled out in pools of blood. Did he kill the children? No. Thank God. Just the mum and their fucking dog. That's
0: sad. At least the kids survived.
1: Fucking poodle. I wonder
0: if they were home.
1: I don't know.
0: The poodle probably defended them.
1: I don't think the kids were home. Such a sensationally bloody crime, along with its bizarre background of demon infestation and exorcisms, took the normally quiet and peaceful town by storm, creating a media frenzy and drawing an intense amount of interest to the subsequent trial. So weird brutal and haunting was the crime and the events leading up to it. That the trial opened with the prosecution barrister, Mr. Jeffrey Baker QC, telling the jury that they were about to witness evidence that will, in quotes, will make it difficult to believe you are not back in the Middle Ages. Damn. Mm. Michael would state during his testimony that he had no recollection of the actual killing that he had been under the control of evil evil supernatural forces and that he had suspected that his wife had also been possessed by demons. During the proceedings, it was pointed out that the Christian Fellowship Group had been more like a fanatical cult, influencing Michael with potent mind control and indoctrination, exasperating any mental issues he had already had. And at one point, the group was described as Neurotics feeding neurosis to a neurotic. Damn. And Look. as I said earlier, he had suffered with depression.
0: I can imagine all those long nights of not sleeping and just holding your fingers in a cross at and your friends and probably... And
1: crosses at... What the fuck?
0: <laughs> to fight off the sexual tension, and carnal knowledge. That probably was very draining on their psyche as well. Must have been. As we learned by the samurai Aoyama.
1: Ayo- yep. <laughs> Blame was also directly leveled at the exorcism itself, with its prosecution claiming that the ritual had fed off the warped ideals, beliefs, and religious passion he had picked out from the group. The negative influences they'd had on him and taken its toll on an already wary, sleep-deprived, mentally disturbed man, pushing him over the edge into the realm of madness and murder. One of the barristers, a Mr. Ognall. QC had made a statement during the trial illustrating this general feeling of the church's responsibility in the horrific crime saying, I'm aware that it is generally regarded as improper for an advocate to express any personal feeling or opinion about the case in which he is engaged. I am afraid I find it quite impossible to observe such constraints in this case. Let those who truly are responsible for the killing stand up. We submit that Taylor is a mere cipher. The real guilt lies elsewhere. Religion is the key. Those who have been referred to in evidence and those clerics in particular should be with him in spirit now in this building and each day he is incarcerated in Broadmoor. And not least on the day he must endure the bitter reunion with his five motherless children. In the end, Michael was found not guilty by reason of insanity and was deemed to be both clinically and illegally and legally, not illegally and legally insane. After which he was sent to Broadmoor secure hospital for the criminally insane. He would remain there for two years, followed by another two year sentence at Bradford Royal infirmary before being released back into the world. The aftermath of the bizarre and tumultuous trial brought with it a great amount of public outcry over the use of exorcisms within the church. And indeed, this became the last recorded exorcism to be carried out by the Anglican Church. Even so, throughout the trial and in the ensuing years, the chief priest who had been in charge of the exorcism, Father Peter Vincent, continued to adamantly insist that Michael had indeed been inhabited by demons and that it had been an authentic case of true demonic possession. He would also say of the perceived misplaced blame aimed at him and the church during the trial. I'm quite convinced God will bring good out of this in his own way however tragic it was at the time. If the psychiatrist said his crime would not have been committed but for the exorcism, that seems a rather strange thing to say. People will draw their own conclusions. After his trial and sentence, Michael would continue to display odd behaviour as well as fall into deep depressions and make a total of four suicide attempts over the years. In July of 2005, Michael Taylor, still best known for his alleged demonic possession and murder, would enter the news again where he was arrested for sexually harassing an underage girl.
0: Oh. During this trial... knowledge demon's back.
1: <laughs> he came back at you. <laughs> During this trial, his previous charges were deemed to have no bearing on the current case. He showed a low to medium risk of re-offending, and this plus his lack of any previous convictions of sexually related crimes led to a light sentence of a three-year stint of community service and further psychiatric treatment. Is he crazy?
0: Is he possessed? Was it the
1: church? Maybe. But, fun fact, Taylor's case makes a prominent appearance in David Peace's novel, 1977, the second of Peace's Red Riding Quartet. Taylor, renamed Michael Williams, is exorcised by Father Martin Laws, the series' main villain, and afterward kills his wife, Carol, by driving a nail into her skull. Jack Whitehead, one of the two protagonists, witnesses the exorcism of Williams and the murder of Carol Williams, his ex-wife, which, as in real life, takes place in a set. Oh. So they still use the same town. But
0: different names. That poor town's just getting all the worst publicity. Mm. So this guy's out there right now.
1: Well, yeah.
0: Potentially a werewolf, a were blood mermaid mm. wolf
1: mm-hmm.
0: is out in public mm-hmm. with carnal knowledge.
1: Yeah, all that carnal knowledge. Oh, But how insane is that?
0: It's so insane. How do
1: we, how do we know if people are properly being... Um, assessed for exorcisms and demonic possession when it's when it could just be a cult.
0: Hmm. You know. Yeah, very true. I do wonder with exorcisms cuz I in fact do bel- I believe that possession can happen. I
1: think it could happen.
0: But I don't know whether every single I definitely know that not every single Exorcism can be chalked up to a demon inside of you No, I
1: don't think so The
0: voices in your head could be schizophrenia
1: It could be Other schizophrenia stuff.
0: And no matter how much holy water and crosses are shoved in your mouth
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a bit overkill Yeah, show him the fucking cross But why are you shoving it in his mouth? Because
0: he's a dirty boy
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, will get some carnal knowledge for you Shoves crucifix <laughs> yeah. in your mouth.
0: And then they drenched him wet t-shirt style With in holy, holy water.
1: water. I want to know, awful. did his body start steaming or not? Yeah. I feel like that's when when you should know if someone's actually possessed. Damn, boy. If you throw some fucking holy water at them and they get, like, third degree burns as if it was boiled water. Yeah. So. Just throw boiled water at them. <laughs> just
0: do it. Just, just do to, to prove your point. <laughs> it's like the old witch trials say. If they die, they weren't a witch.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> Damn, boy, that shit sounds like a sexism to me, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely.
1: Ah. Uh. <laughs>
0: Thanks, mother trucker. So, anyways, I think that's all we have for you today.
1: That is all we but have for hey. you today.
0: Hey, now. Oh, hey, now, that was fun. We hope you liked it, too.
1: You can't sing more than ten seconds, or they'll copyright you. <laughs>
0: Goodbye, goodbye. goodbye. Good... That's, Call it. To
1: guys, goodbye. Right, that's it. guys goodbye. We oh, changed the strike. words so they can't get grumpy.
0: The Brayden, the Belinda, and, and the I'm Haunted House. I don't <laughs> know. I don't know. Anyways, we're tired. Hey.
1: I'm tired, I need to have a shower and do a sleep.
0: <laughs> do a sleep. <laughs> If you're to follow us on Instagram, you can at Yumi Napolta, guys We are also over there on Facebook and Patreon under the same amount. Thank you to our sponsors. We love you. You patrons make the world go round.
1: Thank you so much. Sorry I was yawning. Um, we have our own personals. If you want to follow us, mine is BambiMackers, B-A-N-B-I-M-A-C-C-A-S. That is on Instagram.
0: And I'm Brayden Farwish, Mario we AYD, at number 5 A-S-H. 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 And if you have a story about a ghost with an eyeball for an anus, you can send it to us at www.thatsnotcanon.com slash poltergeist? Scroll to the bottom of the page where you can find a submission form and submit... Your stories for us to read potentially on air.
1: If you really do not feel like doing that, you can just DM us on Instagram or go ahead and email us um, at youmeanapoltergeist at gmail.com. And if you're a patron, just submit your stories to us through Patreon and we'll bump you up the queue. Hell yeah. Still waiting for them stories though. We're 24 episodes in.
0: So, everyone, I just want you to all know that you should.
1: Exercise regularly.
0: And fucking scrub that carnal knowledge out of your minds. You
1: dirty, filthy animals. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince.